And welcome back to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports, Ohio's Sports and Beer Podcast. Guys, big show for the listeners today. We're talking baseball, a lot of baseball, a lot of Reds, a lot of Indians, a little bit of the crew rebrand, and then, uh, you know, hanging out in Columbus for uh, talk about the jackets, John Tortorella gone. So uh, before we get into that, of course, our intros. My name is Greg. I am the talent, the class, and the knowledge. Everybody knows that about me. Uh, to my right is uh, the takes and the snide remarks. Who can really relate to the tribe lineup on uh, Friday night because his predictions have gone over at least twice this year. So <laughs> I called you, it. You can relate to it, Zach. I can. And I called it. I did. After they got no hit the first time, we talked about that on this show. I said, they will get no hit again. Full prediction. They will get no hit one more time this year. I promise you that. Uh-oh. No team has ever been no hit three times in a season. Why not the Cleveland Indians? Why not? Well, one guy we don't want to see there. The guy in the ones and twos. But we almost had to uh, remove from the room for trying to incite an incident about the Ohio Cup. Josh, what's up with the Reds and trying to incite incidents? They just like inciting incidents, you know, and <laughs> they like to, you know, put their fans on a roller coaster. One night, a no-hitter. Next night, a lot of hitter. So you, you ebb and flow. You ebb and flow. You got zero, and Bob then you turned up to 11 the next day. Yeah. So. And he got lucky they postponed the game, so we... I know, 40 our 40 bets off. off, most Ohio thing ever. I guess like <laughs> it was like snowing up there a little bit in Cleveland. Uh, yeah, but. lake effect. Lake effect. I mean, we always can just, you know, see what happens in August. Still a game to be played, gentlemen. We'll go up there and I guess play it's it not off, it's been postponed. Postponed. But you know what's not postponed? What? American Craft Beer Week, guys. Happy well, American Craft Beer Week to you. Well, I'm really glad we decided to uh, drink a Mexican lager for American Craft <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're drinking a Mexican lager for American Craft Beer Week. We were going to drink it last week for Cinco de Mayo, but then uh, Zach's parents brought us that wonderful growler from uh, Menor Brewing, Men- Company. Menor Brewing Company. NBC. So now we're back in the Cincinnati going way back to a historic brewery for this Mexican lager. Guys first. During American Craft Beer Week. <laughs> but before we get to our Mexican lager on American Craft Beer Week, I think it's time to get into some headlines. It may have not been Memorial Day quite yet, but there were certainly some fireworks this weekend in Cleveland as the Reds and the Tribe matched up for the second leg of the Ohio Cup. On Friday, it was Miley. Wade Miley, that is, who came in like a wrecking ball against Cleveland as the Reds pitcher through the fourth no-hitter in the MLB this year, striking out eight and only surrendering one walk during the 114-pitch Hulk tattoo-fueled outing. The Indians have now been no-hit twice in the team's first 31 games, becoming just the third team to achieve such a feat, joining, of course, the 1884 Pittsburgh Alleghenies, and the 1917 Chicago White Sox, who went on to win the World Series. Cleveland did bounce back, however, on Saturday, racking up 11 hits and 9 runs. Six of the runs off Luis Castillo, who continues to have a rough start in a season where he has only went more than five innings twice. 
The rubber uh, match for the series and the cup was unfortunately postponed, so the cup and the 40 bet will have to wait until August, guys. In Columbus, the Jackets finished their season Saturday with a feel-good 5-4 overtime win versus Detroit. This capped a disappointing season that was filled with injuries, fan favorites getting traded, and just five wins in the last 24 games of the season. Columbus will now move on to the 21-22 season with draft capital, new faces, and a new man on the bench as John Tortorella and the team agreed to part ways with his contract being up after the season. Torts was the winningest coach in Jackets history, winning 227 games and having four straight playoff appearances in parts of six seasons leading the team. And finally, after more than a year and a half away, guys, minor league baseball is back in Ohio. The five MILB teams got started last week with Akron and Toledo already having their home openers and Lake County, Dayton, and Columbus getting ready to reopen their stadiums this week. So guys, lots of excitement in Ohio. Those are your OH headlines. For our beer of the week, as Josh mentioned, we have a historic brewery from the city of Cincinnati. It's Wiedemann's Fine Beer. We have their Summertime Lime Mexican Lager with Lime. If you weren't aware by Summertime Lime, it is a Mexican Lager with <laughs> Lime from Wiedemann's uh, 5% alcohol, only 12 IBUs. So a nice kind of light summer beer as we start to move into uh, late May, even though I guess it was snowing recently. In Cleveland, uh, temperatures starting to warm up a little bit. And a nice, like, May kind of Cinco de Mayo-ish beer. American Craft Brewery Week beer, Josh? Yeah, American Craft Brewery Week beer. But mm. you know what it screams to me? It screams beach. Yeah, cool exactly. It's, yep. it, it almost fills you with those same <clears throat> sensations that you are there poolside or oceanside. As soon as it touches your tongue, you're just like, oh, summer. Yeah. Oh, love I it. was going to say... I don't know, the, the Midwesterner in me kind of sees this more as like a drinking on top of a roof beer. Well, yeah. well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair, yeah. That's very fair. Uh, yeah. We're in the speakers. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a lake beer or a river beer. There you go. Front porch beer. River beer. I don't know. It's very... Uh, it's very good. Yeah, I thought... I wasn't sure. Sometimes when you, when you see, especially when it says with lime, like on it, mm. you're like, all right. With lime, am I barely going to taste the lime, or am I going to get a lime, like a full lime shoved down my throat in this beer? But this one, I think, is just such a great enhancement of all the flavors across the board. I really like it. Yeah, I tried a, another beer recently that was like a, an agave lime beer, and it was just one of those where it almost tasted like a Corona that someone just you know squeezed the whole lime into. And you're yeah. Like, all right, this is a little bit too much, but you know. Not one of the heavier beers you'll get, obviously, just a summertime lime beer. But it's nice. It's nice. It's refreshing. The lime has more of a refreshing taste to it. Not too overpowering, but still enough. If you like the lime flavor, which I really do, it's enough just to enjoy. Yeah. And I, I'm not a big fan of, like, Corona no. uh, and any of that kind of, those their kind of beers and everything. But this, I really enjoy this. Like you mm. said, it just I just really enjoy the the feeling of summer that it brings i mean they hit the nail right on the head with that oh, i yeah. think sweet refreshing very light yep and from a historic brewery uh Wiedemann's brewery was uh one of if not 
the oldest beer or brewery in Cincinnati started uh, 150 years ago, actually across the river in Newport, and was revitalized 30 years after it shut down recently here in 2012. And now they reside in the neighborhood of St. Bernard. Yep, they're uh, they're just off Vine Street in St. Bernard, uh, just north of like Roger Bacon near Chili Time. If you enjoy any of the that chili kind of Cincinnati time. chili, nothing wrong with Chili Time. I will stand up there, right near seventy five. So, if you're uh, if you're into trying a revitalized Cincinnati classic, uh, Wiedemann's Fine Brewing, uh, they have a uh, brewery and pub down there, so you can also get you know some nice food and whatnot. Whatever's on the front of that, I don't know if that's like ice cream or something in the picture, but it looks really good. So I'm in for that, and uh, definitely in for enjoying some of these summertime lime Mexican lagers. Guys, it's time for our first quick sip. Quick sips. Where we're talking a little bit of pulling it off. We're talking uh, a new brand, a rebrand for the club formerly known as the Columbus Crew. Josh, in this quick sip. Uh, So. The crew, it was kind of uh, one of those things that over the weekend, bits and pieces were coming out. You were hearing about a potential rebrand. A lot of supporters groups were kind of getting upset. Well, finally this afternoon, the full rebrand video came up. Uh, The crew will be rebranding as Columbus SC with the crew sticking as still like a nickname, sort of. Uh, So the logo is, uh, has changed. You know, they used to have the old hard hat crew guy. Now they have the, the circular crew crest. Now they have a, uh, it's like an Ohio flag shape that's kind of hanging vertically with the C in the middle of it, but the C doesn't fit very well. So there's also like a, another little piece that's in the other corner of the Ohio flag. It's very random. Uh, and then you get Columbus and SC because you know what? We don't have enough teams in the MLS that are just named columbus fc or minnesota fc or fc cincinnati so why not just name our team like all of them well isn't that what they do in soccer though like manchester city man U. i mean that's what they're known as i don't i'm confused i mean they're different why why were they called like uh i mean i don't know i was just saying that's a very americanized name the columbus crew giving yeah but it's also like you kind of think about it it goes back to the 90s roots back then all of them had the names you know you look at the LA Galaxy, what yeah. used to be the New York Metro Stars, you know, Chicago Fire, New England Revolution. Well, I was just asking. So, you know, you think about it, it's it's kind of, it is a little bit hokey and it's different, but it's also kind of back to the roots. Because you think about it, naming a team after Sox is kind of stupid, especially when a team called the White Sox wears black socks most of the time. <laughs> but it's historical. No, Yeah. So it, I mean, it's part of the history of the team, and it's also a very large part of the team's identity because there was a large movement to save the crew several, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. And also, one of the things, you know, a lot of people have come out and said there are a number of Columbuses in the United States. Okay, but I mean, I always thought it was stupid that people had to say Columbus, Ohio. Like, no one's thinking of Columbus, Georgia. Columbus, Ohio is the 13th. 13th largest city in the country. Columbus, South Carolina, though. But Columbus, Ohio is the 13th largest city in this country. Like, I think it's ridiculous that you have to put Ohio after 
Here's what I think is ridiculous. You pissed off all your fans, what, like two years ago, saying you're going to take the team. Now you're saying, hey, we're going to completely change the name of the team, but also not. But we're also getting rid of how it looks, but also not. Like, I just feel like you're just poking the bear at these fans. As a crew fan, Greg, am am I right about that? Yeah, so there was also an article in, like, I mean, legit in 2020 where they said, we have no plans to change the name, colors, right, branding, anything. Have done that. Yeah. And then also, I mean, the brand takes away from part of the crew. And you've had all this goodwill. You saved the crew. They played well. They won an MLS Cup. <clears throat> you have all these good vibes. Why screw it up now? Yeah. It's Brown's ownership. I was good. The only <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that it did make me think of is... Is there an ownership group across sports? Now, some of them are worse as far as total owners. I'm sure you can stand Kroenke and them. Have, oh, have yeah. But as far as rebranding, do you remember the Browns' original logo rebrand? <laughs> oh, yeah. Where they I had these videos ridiculous. for weeks, and then it was just a shade of color change? Yeah. Do you remember the Browns' jerseys? Those were high school atrocious looking. That they basically had for five years until oh, they could change yeah. back? You hear the rumors going around now. People are saying the Haslam's are, might should buy the Indians. And I'm just like, dear God, I'd rather have the Dolan. <laughs> but think about what, because at least what I've heard is uh, it was the artistic brainchild of like the Haslam's daughter who needs to really Which rethink. One? The crew? Yeah, the, the the crew update. That was their, their daughter. Was she like 13? I have no idea. Yeah. Probably. Well, they're like 100. She's probably like 40. Just, the C is so weird and alone, like outside of like... They have one logo where it's just the C with also the little triangle piece, but it's triangle. out. But it's outside. It's just the C and the triangle outside of the flag. And if you take the triangle away, especially with those uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame jerseys that the Cavs wear, looks a lot like that C too. And I just don't know why you would move away from one of the most classic, you know, badges in soccer to a C. Yeah, in a state that has so many other C's alone, like five other teams: the Cavs, the Clippers, the Reds, the, the Cleveland baseball team. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Still going by the Indians. Right, the Cleveland the baseball team. supporters trust yeah. team. The tribesmen. <laughs> but really, like I remember Actually, when like they when they thing. changed the when they changed the crest for the first time, and that was when the former ownership was in. I wasn't thrilled with it but i understood you know you wanted a little bit more of like a more of a crest instead of a logo which is kind of what they were going to now it's like all these teams like the chicago fire and uh what used to be the montreal impact the foot club yeah they have all like these like fake modern logos and they just look terrible montreal's looks like something out of star wars or something like that it's just really weird. It's, it's like black like, yeah. on gray, like actual shield. I mean, they're terrible. They're not fun anymore. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know why they would have this. Because you look at teams that have similar fun names. It's not like the supporters hate those names. I mean, Seattle Sounders, Portland Timbers, some of the best, you know, some of the best supporters groups yeah. you know, in the nation. And the supporters group for the crew, the Nerdeki, came right out and were like, yeah, we're not about this. Yeah. So they were staging a protest. I don't know how it's going to go, but either way, this 
spells Just bad looking news. regionally, like remember when USL side Louisville City tried to change theirs and they debuted it and everyone was universally like, that is awful. That is, please, no. And they, were, they said, okay, we, we, we messed this up. We won't use this. And then they went through a whole other process that included people. So there's time. You can do it. You can definitely back out. But look, you've already why you did it in the first place. You've already ruined the banana jerseys. Yeah, having this like white on yellow Mm. jersey that doesn't look good. Now you're trying to ruin the crest and the colors and the names. Like I just think the at least they brought back all the Adidas uniforms. What you should be more upset about those are some ugly ass uniforms. For our next quick sip, we're staying in the lovely city of Columbus. But this time, we're talking a little bit of Puck, Zach. I know you're excited. Uh, Always. As we mentioned in the headlines, the crew or the uh, Blue Jackets season ended. Uh, kind of a rough season, especially the second half. Uh, only five wins in the last 24 games. So uh, at the end of the season, John Tortorella's um, contract was up. So him and the Jackets agreed to... Mutually part ways. Uh, Tortorella was hired in 2015 after uh, the Jackets fired Todd Richards following a 0-7 start. So he was able to kind of get things back together, made four straight playoff appearances before this season, uh, led them to their first playoff series win in franchise history, and uh, you know has the most wins by a coach in franchise history. So... I mean, Josh, are we grateful for the for the legacy? I mean, is it one of those we're gonna look back on finally, or the ending kind of not being great? Is there is there kind of a question there? I don't know. I was trying to like compare him to a a, a coach that has come before him, um, just within the realms of Ohio, and I almost think of him as. He's definitely not the same coach at all because Dusty Baker was very much a, a a player's coach a lot of the times with the Reds especially, and Tortorella is, um, to put it lightly, not always a player's coach. No. <laughs> um, but if you were to like put it up like where the Blue Jackets are now, like everybody needs like that stepping stone era. And whereas I think Dusty Baker was kind of the manager for the Red Stepping Stone era, even though then they took two steps back. Uh, Which jackets are about to. Yeah. You know, John Tortorella kind of made them that stepping stone where at least, like, you definitely made an impact on the culture of the organization. Where they go from there without you, yeah, you might take two steps back, but you have a different culture and there's different expectations kind of refreshed expectations throughout the city, I think. Yeah, and I think, uh, I believe someone in the organization, it might have been Yarmo Kekalainen, the, the jacket GM, but he talked about, you know, Torts being the right coach for the right time. And sometimes mm-hmm. you need that coach. Like you said, Dusty Baker, a guy that, you know, like Tortorella, has the playoff experience, knows how to manage a team, maybe doesn't have the full-on success, you know, of being a, a World Series or Stanley Cup champion, but knows how to get guys to that point and knows how to set those expectations where they need to be. And, you know, you could have your, you know, your issues with the Baker or the Tortorella era, but both of them, they definitely took a step forward. You know, the Reds were a consistent team. The Jackets weren't always performing as high as they, you know, should have, 
sneak snuck into the playoffs a couple times, but you know, were able to uh, you know, sweep the best team in the East the one year that they just snuck into the mm-hmm. playoffs. Like he was able to put that mentality in the team and he kind of turned the jackets, you know, maybe not into one of those top echelon teams, but instead of kind of that like laughable joke franchise that, you know, had made it to the playoffs like twice before that ever and had gotten swept both times, he finally kind of gave them a step forward. Yeah, you made it you made it real for once for, for fans, I think. So I don't know. What are you guys feeling for any replacements out there? I bet a hundred dollars it's a retread since the NHL is worse than the NBA. It just how many times have you been a co- five times? Okay. How'd that go? Not great. Well, how do you want another chance? Like, my God. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at, you know, an, an article that the the Columbus Ditch Dispatch wrote. The Ditch Patch? The Ditch Patch. The Dish Patch. Something like that. The Columbus, the newspaper of Columbus <laughs> wrote. Um, so the three potential options. Uh, one is uh, one of the Brads, Brad Shaw, Brad Larson. Uh, the top two assistants that Torts had, they're still under contract for a year. You could try to do that. They've been known as more players coaches, but I think it's kind of one of those areas where you kind of have to just start a new era. You can't really hold on to the old era because that's one of those things that you think it will probably last like a year or two. Yeah. Uh, the second one, as Zach said, the big hockey guy that he is, he knows re- retreads are the just the deal. You know, you look at a lot of the guys across the uh, NHL, they've been with three, four, five teams at this point, you know. In Vegas, Peter Labore, I know, he was with, you know, a couple teams, and the Devils, and then was gone for like a season, then was with the Sharks, then was gone for half a season, then was with the Golden Knights. So it's just all around, you know, bouncing people around. Uh, The two that I saw that kind of um, caught my eye, one was Bruce Boudreaux, who was with uh, Washington, Anaheim, and the Wild. The one thing is he doesn't, once again, doesn't have that playoff success. His best result was a conference finals. Uh, you know, a guy that's been around for forever, played in the league for a long time. Uh, definitely kind of helped to set the culture with, you know, Washington, Anaheim, and then we'll see about the Wild because he just left there. But he was one of those guys that was kind of there just before they had the success. Mm. So, you know, in kind of a rebuilding area might be a might be a solid pick. The other one was uh, Gerard Gallant, who uh, a lot of people maybe more recently understand him or know him uh, when the Vegas Golden Knights were an expansion team. He was their head coach, and in their first season, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. So a guy that knows kind of how to bring people together, deal with some different you know voices and whatnot. The one thing that's interesting about him, though, is his first job was with Columbus in the mid-2000s. 56 and 76 in three years at the helm. So it would be a retread of a retread, a retread of a former Jackets head coach. The one interesting one, though, they have dark horses. And the one that I am kind of caught my eye is a man by the name of Juka Jolinen, who I might have completely... Jolinen. Jolinen. Uh, so he was a guy that had... Uh, that has 30-plus years of experience on the bench, you know, assistant head coach, uh, you know, at some capacity. He's, he currently coaches the Finnish national team. Uh, he's coached them to two world championships. 
So the one thing, the one connection that he has is uh, most recently in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, they got Patrick Laine, who is part of the Finnish national team. So one of our, you know, top players, hopefully going forward, is a Finn. And then also one of the assistant GMs for the uh, Finnish national team, Jarmo Kekalainen, the Blue Jackets GM. So a guy that has a lot of Finnish connections, a lot of Blue Jackets connections, maybe you got to keep in mind. That that's interesting. I hadn't hadn't read into that one, um, and that actually makes a lot of sense. See, I was I was more on the other side. I was looking Brad Shaw, just because he's uh, before he came to Columbus, he got a lot of good experience under the St. Louis staff, uh, former Cincinnati Mighty Ducks coach right there. So oh, man. I liked I, I liked Ducks. him having a year under his contract. You know, not. Big expectations next year, letting one of those guys try and different change of pace, being a player's coach. Yeah, set a little bit of a new culture, kind of yeah. bring some of the young guys all around. Obviously, a lot of the trades, the Jackets have got a couple more first-round draft picks, third-round draft picks coming in, so a lot of new faces. But if you're going long-term, uh, that, that Juka Jelanin, or however you say it, that that seems like very uh, a very big connect across the board there for the Blue Jackets. I'm doing my, uh, you know, putting the board on the wall. Oh, yeah? The yarn back and forth, figuring out where's the new Blue Jackets head coach. That's really? a lot of yarn for so, Finland. I know. So uh, let us know. Uh, who do you think is going to be the Jackets' new head coach? Are we thinking potential assistant, Bradshaw maybe? Maybe a retread of a retread in Gerard Gallant? Or maybe one of those dark horses like Duka Jolinen from Finland? Guys, it is time for the Big Chug. In today's Big Chug, we're talking, you know, as we get through the second battle of the Ohio, unfortunately, don't quite have a champion till uh, August 9th for the Ohio Cup. But we're going to talk, you know, about a month and a half in, where we're at with the Tribe and the Red Legs. Uh, so, so far in the standings as of Monday afternoon, Cleveland is 18 and 14. They're in second place in the AL Central, one game back of the Chicago White Sox, while the Reds are 15 and 16. They're in fourth place, four games back of St. Louis in the NL Central. And a half game back of Chicago. Your Cubbies. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, Zach, so far, uh-huh. I know you had some kind of muted expectations for the Tribe coming yep. into this season. Them being four games above... 532 games into the season, you know, right now kind of in the mix for a division title. Where are you at with the with the Indians? Are they meeting expectations? Uh, they're ex- this is how low of expectations I had. They are exceeding them by a mile. Uh, I am ecstatic. Even, they, even though they've been hit no hit twice, I'm still like they real happy. Like where the twins, were, twins are right now. Oh, yeah. And it's still real early, but... Um, no, I mean, they've exceeded expectations. Uh, their hitting's come around a little bit besides the no hitter. Uh, they were averaging almost five runs over the last couple of weeks. So big improvement there. Um, and the pitch, the bullpen, bullpen's one thing that's met my expectations. Been back end's been shut down like everybody thought it could be for the most part. And, uh, Aaron Savali's taking a huge step forward. And then obviously Bieber's doing Bieber like things, setting all sorts of strikeout records. Um, Tristan McKenzie, 
coming around, young kid. But uh, and Plesak, after a couple rough starts to the year, has really uh, settled down. He's got a, so we got three starters below four ERAs, uh, two below three. Uh, feeling pretty good. I mean, and, and honestly, the rest of the lineup's been trash. I mean, Josh Naylor's come around, and it's been Fran Mill and Jose. So you figure a few more guys come around, like Cesar Hernandez, guy I expect to come around eventually. Um, could be even better. I don't know. I mean, and the rest of this division's trash, as we're finding out. Yeah, you have... I That's mean, a big have, part of it, too. Let's yeah. be real. A big part of it is that division's just a, way worse than everybody thought. Yeah, you have... I mean, you have the Tigers, who everyone expected to struggle. Yeah. You have the Twins, who are very much... They're, they're probably the biggest disappointment of oh, the season. Yeah. I mean, um, Rocco Baudelaire is on the hot seat right now. Yeah, the Royals, who got off to a, a much better start than we would have expected, but have they kind fallen. of come back to yeah. earth. And then the White Sox... I think people expected them to be better than 19 and 13 at this point. Like, they've still kind they've, of been disappointed. Tony La, the yeah. Tony La Russa train. That's going to, I'm yeah, so that's... excited. That whole thing is going to crash and burn, and I'm so excited for it. But honestly, I'll tell you what, those Indians White Sox series so far have been, they've been great yeah. baseball. If you think baseball's boring, Mm-mm. watch, tune it's in for fun. those two. They're, they're they've been, well, they've been fiery, but the, they've been fiery. Been like different been, kinds of games. There've oh, been yeah. Some, like two nothing games. There've been there was some, a like, no hitter in games. there. Yeah. yeah. And then there was, yeah, some crazy walk off antics and stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. Feeling good. Uh, Josh, what about you? I know the Reds, you know, you had some kind of middling expectations for the Reds after the first week. We were, our expectations <laughs> kind of went up a little bit. It's kind of been a wild ride for them. Very Where's overreaction Josh at on this right now? Very, very Josh is very uh, bipolar as a fan. It's uh... um, They're <laughs> bipolar as a team. <laughs> yeah, he fits right in. I, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. Um, and I'll say, and I won't panic like most, most of them will. I'd say that the club has uh, met my expectations because, and we're talking expectations, my one expectation for this team was that the offense would be better than it was last year. Yeah. And by and far, aside from a couple guys, way better offensive production. Uh, but, and we'll talk about surprises later, there, there have been a lot of surprises that you weren't expecting certain aspects to be not so great, um, specifically the front end of the rotation. But then... <sighs> There's been other surprises like Jeff Wade, Hoffman, Je- Hollywood Hoffman, and Hollywood. Wade Miley throwing a no hitter. Like uh, those things are. If you would have told me that Wade Miley was second in National League WHIP in mid mid May, I probably would have laughed at you. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's a band aid rotation if I've ever seen one full of. Those of you nothing. that don't know WHIP, that's walks and hits per innings pitched. So it basically shows how many base runners you give up per inning, which, you know, traffic usually leads to runs. Advanced metrics. Sabres. Yeah, no, uh, expectations Reds fans, I feel like, should be fairly happy with. There's just uh, some glaring glaring holes, and, I mean, get upset with the front office for not spending on such glaring holes, but... Can we talk about the Suarez at shortstop experiment? Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, I'm not it's, talking about as a hitter. Beyond. I'm talking about as a defense because Jasper's like, it's going to be okay. It's beyond It's going to be okay. And I was like, that's going to be a trainer. Okay. We'll get to that in just a uh, second. So we're going to talk about the good news and the bad news. We're going to start with your tribe. Okay. Uh, so far, good news. You know, for that, I had the pitching. 
I'm amazed, you know, Klasse and Karinacek have been as advertised in the yeah. back end of that rotation. Uh, you know, most of the rotation has been pretty good aside of, you know, one or two guys. I think I think it's been a pretty it's been solid good. and a, probably better than at least I would have expected. I think better than I expected. I think McKenzie, the Bram Long, slowly. Uh, he's had a few uh, good quality. I mean, the Indians are fourth in the league in quality starts, which is a big indicator of where things are going to go. Uh, McKenzie's ERA is high, but, you know, they're not throwing him out there a lot of innings, and he's coming around. He's young. I mean, people it's not f- horrible. It's like 4-8. So no, like, yeah, right. no. I mean, he, but people forget he, you know, when he came up last year before that, he missed a whole year. Yeah. Before that, uh, with injury, they brought him right from double A. Um, Logan Allen, I think, will be back. He's only 23. You know, he's going to go down, work on something. So they're looking for a fifth guy. Um, I mean, Cal Quarantrol has been very good out of the bullpen. I don't know. Yeah, he turned it around because he was, he had some, he had a rough spring. But yeah, he's come around. He, um, he has like a 2 2 ERA. So two no, yeah. 2 ERA. I mean, he came, you know, he came over in that Padres deal last year, the Clevenger deal. Um, yeah, I mean, they got some guys, Hentes, um, Scott Moss, who's down AAA. They got some intriguing guys. So yeah, the pitching. Be nice to see. what Cleveland the, does. The, uh, Triple A guys actually get some starts too. Yeah. yeah. Well, now they're finally playing. Um, yeah, but the offense. I was gonna say bad news offense. I, I mean, it's. I'll give this. I think Fran Mill. Um, I won't say he's exceeded, but he's he's finally kind of thus far playing up to that little more consistency that people wanted to see. Josh Naylor's really come around, and I love the energy that guy plays with. He just goes hard all the time. I will uh, say for for a position or positions that yeah. the Indians have had a lot of issues with, you know, for years now. They've got some pretty decent pieces, you know. Rosario's been very good, Naylor's been pretty good. Obviously figuring out some some center mm-hmm. field, but you know, Reyes yeah. as far as like a fourth outfielder slash DH has been a very good, at least hitting wise. Oh yeah. Something that they haven't had in forever. No, yeah, I mean the defense is Lacking last year, the Indians had one of the best defenses. They won the team uh, Gold Glove last year. Uh, definitely not doing it this year. They, I think, they're right up there with errors. Um, they're definitely giving a lot on on the defensive side. Rosario's been up and down, and well, Eddie Rosario, he's a one year deal though. He's a place filler. Um, but yeah, Naylor's played well. Um, I think Hernandez will come around. He's starting to come around a little I was bit. Say, what about the bad news? Anybody that you're any any areas you're disappointed? You know, I kind of had that. I know shortstop's more of a defensive position, but when you look at the the three players listed at shortstop, you got uh, Ahmed Rosario, Jimenez, and Yu Chang, all hitting under two hundred. Yeah, it's not what you'd like to see. I, I especially mean, to replace I, the production. I think they're really gonna try to put Rosario eventually full time. Ahmad Rosario in center he's still learning that um i think it's him and his job going forward he's young though i I honestly like what i see from him he's made some young kid mistakes he's going to continue i I think i like what i what i see from him so i don't say disappointing i wasn't expecting a lot out of him though um and gotta remember he's replacing lindor a lot of expectations and that might be lindor has been no 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 honestly my biggest disappointment um is like i would say cesar hernandez but like i said i think he's gonna come around i just think it's you know you got jake bowers up here taking at bats at first base he's been exactly what every fan knew he was going to be atrocious at the plate um and and honestly still kind of the outfield though uh they brought daniel johnson up on the taxi squad 
given like no opportunities to play basically and now he's back down he went two for two the other night with two walks and triple a like i don't know what they expect from him and they still need more production like you point out center field getting no production um those would be my two biggest disappointments thus far but it's hard to be due to this point like i said that i thought they'd be in close to last place right now so uh what about the good news and the bad news for the reds i you know i would have to say one of the the big numbers that that really jumped out to me off the page was Jesse Winker with uh, over a thousand uh, OPS. A guy that, you know, yeah. is batting three fifty seven yeah. is hitting some home runs, which obviously helps, but it's just a guy that is getting on base and was kind of that on base guy that they were expecting when they originally brought him up to hit to hit uh lead off. Him and Castellanos, you know, who's been great as well. Yeah, I mean, both of them are easily averaging over 300 batting average. Um, Jesse Winker's 1.044 OPS. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they're both just slapping the baseball, um, both in the 600s on slugging. I feel like every game you can expect at least two to three bags from them. And if you can be getting that kind of consistency, and I'm glad that we keep Putting Winker at least at the top of the lineup, whether it's leadoff or not, I think, you know, David Bell has kind of settled down his lineup shuffling a little bit, at least like the offensive lineup. But I, yeah, I agree with you there full heartedly. Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos, those were the ones that you were like, you know, they can play better. And Winker started that last year, has continued it through the offseason, through spring training, and into the regular season here. I'm just hoping he continues throughout the rest of the season. Uh, what, slowing him down right now. Well, what about the bad news? I know, I mean, obviously bullpen was one of the issues that we had, but another one of the questions is a guy that was, you know, nothing short of, you know, an absolute all-star two years ago who struggled last year, struggled the, and then has struggled a bunch this year in a Eugenio Suarez, <laughs> a guy that, you know, has hit, was hitting two, you know, between 260 and 280 for the three years before, 2020 had a rough year in 2020 obviously you know only so many at bats but now he's hitting 130 in over 100 at bats plus you know he's settled down a little bit at shortstop he had i think four errors in the first series or two only has six on the season which is not like fernando tatis levels but it's still not great but at least he's calmed down a little bit but there's still some question marks as far as the hitting for you know a guy that hit 50-plus home runs just two years ago. Yeah, and even uh, even when he had that season where he hit the 50 home runs, he had a month of baseball where he, he was hitting about 125. So it's not that he can't, you know, climb himself out of this hole that he's dug. And I wouldn't even say that that's the bad news. Um, I was worried that they were going to – they kept putting him in the – they would not take him out of the cleanup spot. David Bell was refusing to take him out of the cleanup spot, and that dragged on for a little bit. He's finally moved down in the lineup. You know, unfortunately, I think, yeah, he's trending a little bit in the wrong direction, the uh, late Adam Dunn direction of uh, <laughs> two outcomes. Not, not even three, two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if he can – He's just got to get himself comfortable again. I think moving down the lineup will help him there. I would say that the bad news more is that you've got pitchers that you were not expecting to take a step back, and they've fallen back on their butts completely. Uh, in your ace, 
air quotes on ace right now, Luis Castillo, who had another poor outing the other night, has the second highest whip on the team behind the other guy I'm talking about in Amir Garrett, who wanted to be the closer and can't seem to be the closer. And both of them are just hard to watch right now because Garrett's been better over the last couple games. Yeah, yeah especially early in the season, he was just throwing meatballs. Yeah, and with Castillo, it's just like it's hard to watch him because he just his release point is all over the place, and it's like he's almost forgotten how to do it. He's trying to aim too much. He, yeah, the pitch. He's not like one of those young guys that's just gonna go out and throw. Now yeah. he kind of feels like he needs to be an ace. Right, and that's kind of the thing with both of them. I thought Amir was kind of like trying to throw too hard, mm-hmm. and Luis is trying to aim too much. And both of them, all of these guys that we're talking about, have proven to us that they can do it before. But the big, the big bad news for the Reds is that those guys that you weren't expecting to, you know, fall off. Have, have very much fallen off in Luis Castillo and Amir Garrett. So, guys, going through the next, you know, at this point, we're 30, 31, 32 games in. The next 32 games, we, you know, we have a, we'll have a couple weeks, uh, you know, Memorial Day and the week after off. So, when we check in again, you know, sometime mid to late June, what are kind of our th- thoughts of, you know, Zach, where do you think the Indians will be? What's kind of the question marks between you know, then and or now and then that you kind of need to figure out. I know looking at their schedule coming up, uh, they got a two-game series versus the Cubs, then go out west versus Seattle and the Angels, home versus Minnesota, and then to Detroit. If you look at the mm-hmm. Angels-Minnesota-Detroit series, uh, those teams have a combined record of 37 and 56, which is a 397 winning percentage. Right. So definitely still have a chance to to get some wins. You know, definitely play some winnable teams or beatable teams. Where mm-hmm. where are you kind of feeling? Do you think the Indians can kind of keep this up? Do you think they can take a step forward, or do you think they'll uh, eventually kind of I run mean, out of the, steam? I think if you could, the pitching continues to do what it does, and you know, a couple of those guys take. They continue to step forward. Yeah, I, they should, I think, roll train through that West Coast. Um, you know, Cubs will be interesting, but I think after that they should. It'll be very telling. They played mostly division foes, you know, so far besides the Reds and, like, the Yankees were mixed in there. Um, so it's hard to say that, that, you know, they didn't do well against the Yankees, two and two with the Reds. Um, so it's really hard to say where they're at as far as, you know, with the rest of baseball. I think we saw that with all the AL Central teams last year when they got in the playoffs and you're finally facing teams from that division. You're like, oh, there, there, there's a... There's a jump. There's a jump there uh, that these teams are in there. So, you know, I mean, obviously the Angels all aren't the good. All the Central teams. No, yeah, in the NL. NL yeah. So, um, but no, I would expect there to be some ups and downs. I, You know, I, I would like to see them kind of... I'd love to see Bobby Bradley be up by then. Uh, just try to find somebody to take consistent at-bats at first base. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, Bobby Bradley, obviously, the, the big thing. Do you yeah. think by June they'll maybe have an everyday shortstop? Because it seems like, you know, especially, I mean, Chang has kind of been a utility player. But as He's far as their utility, Rosario yeah. and Jimenez, they've kind of split at-bats at least, you know, maybe 60-40, but at least to some degree. Right. I, I think... I think they're going to stick with Jimenez. Uh, now, if he keeps struggling, you know, he's got plenty of options left. He might be a guy who gets sent back down to AAA, work on some things. Um, so, that, yeah, that's a big question. 
will one of them kind of separate them? They both could get sent down. I mean, you know, they're neither of them are hitting very well. Um, you know, Jimenez is the better, supposedly the better defender thus far has been a little bit, uh, you know, his, his advanced metrics don't show that right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, but center field, I think kind of up the middle there, you still got question mark shortstop center field. And then obviously in the corner first base. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, a guy like Nolan Jones, um, the Indians top prospect gets a, gets a look too. For sure. At now, Josh going with the reds in their next month and a half. I mean, you look at three of their next five series, they're playing teams currently in last place. Uh, they have Pittsburgh and Colorado on the schedule and then later go, uh, to Washington. So all three of those series on the road, but basically very much playing some beatable teams. San Francisco and Milwaukee have also been kind of up and down. So when you're looking at them, you know, next month, do you foresee this kind of, uh, you know, inconsistency of being on fire and then, you know, big losing streak, or do you kind of see them settled out? Do you think they go on a big winning run? Do you think they really kind of struggle? Uh, I'd like to see them, especially these in the immediate future when they're going to be uh, facing the Pirates for the next three games this week and then the Rockies for four games in Colorado. Uh, you have to go four and three there. I'd like to see them go five and two because, um, A, you got to play better on the road. Got to, I can't remember what it is right now. I think now, they're but they like have a five terrible, and nine on the road. Yeah, they have said. a terrible road record. And then this is also a time for you to figure it out. You got Shogo Akiyama coming back, and I'm hoping that he at least has that, you know, hot streak that you usually get when you come back and guys aren't used to pitching you, especially now that you're going to be playing these three last place teams. Hopefully you get at least that re-entry spark from Shogo, and you kind of get some time to, like, I don't want Luis Castillo to pitch this next week. There's no need to have him pitch against the Rockies or the Pirates. He needs to figure this out because they claim he keeps saying we know what's wrong. Like <laughs> we know what's wrong. We just need time to fix it. Maybe a bust a little will help. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, but you know, don't pitch him. Have someone else come up and get get a shot against one of these lowly teams. You know, figure out your depth chart right now while you're playing these lowly teams and improve your road record. And I think, you know, Reds have won six out of the last 10 series. If you can have a good May, like you figure out your depth chart a little bit and then you really, mm -hmm. you know, get yourself set for the end, for the, you know, run to the all-star game and everything. Well, the other this question, is where they figure it out. The other question is kind of setting up that lineup as well. You know, we haven't really mentioned it, but Joey Votto out for a yeah, month. Yeah, Joey Votto out right now. Thumb. Thank uh, know, God, right? I know tonight's game they have... Uh, they have Moose yeah, playing first say, base, first. and then they've moved Senzel in from center field to uh, to second base. Obviously, having another outfielder with Shogo out there. How do you think they? Do you think they're going to be able to play pretty well without Joe? Because Votto has played pretty well this year. I mean, he's been down for the last number of years, but he's been he's at negative war there. right now, though. So let's. Not... I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. David Bell, I'll give it to. He's David less Bell. than a replacement player right now. I'll give it to David Bell that. Every game, it seems like, David Bell is out there taking ground balls. Like, I've never seen a manager out in the infield taking ground balls as much as I've seen Dave Bell do it over the past two weeks because he's constantly teaching someone how to play first base or second base. <laughs> and it's just, it's hey. weird, but honestly, like... Hands on, man. It's, it's, it's working for the time being. Is that going to work, you know, 
for another 100 games? No. But like I said, Greg, you got to figure it out right here. This is where they figure it out. That's their hurdle. Figuring out the mess they got right now. Well, what guys, about any of the... Uh, oh, sorry. We out of time. I was going to say, well, guys, we'll get back to uh, <laughs> talking a little bit more Tribe and Reds, uh, figuring out some surprises, some disappointments, and potentially some changes as the season goes on. But first, uh, Zach's going to enthrall us with some words about this wonderful summertime line. An ultra-refreshing light lager brewed with lemon drop hops and all-natural lime juice. Not Espanol. Una lager ligera ultra refrescante con lupolo de limón y jugo de lima totalmente natural. Gosh, those however many years you took of Spanish in high school. Really <laughs> coming back. Oh, I took a whole, a whole year in college as well, yeah. Whoa, you can tell. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can tell. You can tell. <laughs> so that's, I was wondering what that was in there. Lemon drop hops, I think is what yep. it is. That, yeah, that you usually find those in like a, like saisons and, you know, your farmhouse stuff. Mm. And I, that's what I was like, this, this has like that really like springtimey, like, yeah. weedy sweetness to it mm-hmm. and yeah, i think that's what is on the front before you get like the the party in the back tart. yeah you know? i think that's what that is but it's <laughs> very good in the front lime in the back <laughs> <laughs> it's very good though and as we discussed earlier from a historic brewery i'm so glad that they are back and kicking on the right side of the river this time weedemans 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 brewing Wiedemann? company on vine street in saint bernard it's a cool can too. I didn't. Uh, I think they are kind of expanding their canning. I feel like I've seen them out on the shelves a little bit more. But yeah, in the in the last year, because I remember seeing them and I was like, I feel like I recognize this brewery, but I like I couldn't, you know, put my finger on it. And then I realized, oh yeah, Weedmans, you know, big Cincinnati brewery. But they used to just have the pretty plain ones. They do have a nice logo, the the W with the eagle on yeah. it. Mm-hmm. But they kind of uh, added a little bit, you know, the nice green can with kind of the the script summertime lime i was gonna uh, say this one's a little it's one that pops out a little bit more yeah because usually the weedemans have the very kind of plain cans you kind of are like okay it's weedemans like it's just this is weedemans this is the beer but this kind of pops a little bit more i mean that's the question i have right it went it went out right the weedemans company beer company it's different people running it right yeah so actually what happened is that you know, did they buy 18, the trademark or something? So yeah. the trademark and the copyright actually had expired. Ah, okay. And um, some local people noticed that, and, and they bought revamped it. Mm. what was once George Wiedemann's expansive brewery operating yeah. out of Newport, Kentucky, and uh, they brought it back. Have kept yeah all those original stuff, and they still to this day uh, the plain one I think you're talking about the Bohemian Standard mm-hmm. is their you know flagship, flagship. ale. Yeah. And it's uh, it really is. I picked myself up a six pack of it the other day. It's it's a classic American ale right there. Um, mm-hmm. Same recipe, but hmm. good to have. Good always good to have some of those historic breweries mm-hmm. coming back to life. Definitely. Yeah, I mean it was uh, the roots go back to 1870. Uh, so originally, some of his uh, descendants ran the brewery until selling it to. Uh, a Wisconsin-based brewery in the 1960s. That company 
then closed the Newport Brewery in 1983, and then sold the brand to uh, Pittsburgh Brewing Company, who dropped the name in 07. So in the early 2010s, they realized that the name was dropped and that they, you know, had the ability to bring the name back. So mm. that was the, the 2012. Fucking Pittsburgh running everything for everybody. <sighs> they never let anybody have fun. But you know what is fun, guys? A nice Mexican lager with some lime on a hot summer's day, whether it be on the beach, poolside, the river, your front porch. The lake. Or any time during American Craft <laughs> Back to our big chug, talking a little bit more baseball. We are talking the Reds and the Indians, uh, thirty plus games into the season, where they're at. Uh, talking some surprises and some disappointments. Uh, Zach, surprises for the tribe so far. Any any big names jumping off the page? Maybe a Josh Naylor. Yeah, I mean Josh Naylor's having a, a nice season um, thus far. Uh, really come around, kind of struggled at the beginning of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean he's bounced back. You know, guys average up to two sixty-five. Um two homers, nine doubles. Um again, he's just a guy he's brings that energy, brings that fire. Uh Tyler Naquin that they You know, defensively leaves a lot to be desired there. But um, you know, I, I like his attitude. Yeah, and, he, and so far he's he's played um I think up to expectations a little bit what you would hope. I mean, he's only twenty-three. Yeah. People act like he's been around for a long time. He has yeah. not. Um, I think the biggest one for me um, is Fran Mill thus far. Uh, Fran Mill Reyes. I, I had Fran Mill on there too. Yeah, I think, and, you know, he's, I mean, so far it's early, I know, but having a great year, you know, that 271 average, that's kind of the sweet spot for guys like him. Um, the hustle, though. Got his first career stolen base. Picking him up and putting um, Two triples this year. Yeah, uh, and then go on with six doubles, eight homers, leads the team with 23 ribbies, um, has had, um, you know, got that OBP 325. Not, not, nothing to brag about, but, you know, getting some walks in there, cut down the strikeouts. Uh, yeah, I think he's, uh, that's what everybody wanted to see, consistency. And thus far, he's been pretty consistent there, pitching in, not trying to do too much. I think in the past, he got... Every at bat's like I got a white knuckle, a home run. Sometimes just taking what they give them. A single works. Keep the order moving. Speaking about another guy who's honestly, I think has been one of the biggest surprises. A guy lower, kind of late in the rotation, who's pitched pretty much like an ace so far this year. Savale. Aaron Savale. Yeah. Uh, Two ninety one ERA has gone five and a third at least every start. So mm-hmm. he's giving you those innings every single time out. I mean, has been a a solid pitcher all not, the way around. And not just that. I mean, you don't, you know, wins and losses for pitchers are kind of, you know, out of five vogue. But five, you know, uh, five and oh, actually. I mean, five and oh, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, had lower, you know, let's see, he's ERA. I think he's just 291. He's just behind Bieber. I mean, obviously, Bieber is Bieber, but a guy who kind of up to that point was more, yeah, like you said, like a middle, maybe. Like a fifth starter, honestly. Back end rotation guy. Really uh, reworked a couple small things, and you've seen that jump. So, yeah, I mean, him and Fran Mill, I would agree, Greg, are probably your two very nice and pleasant surprises thus far for the Indians. Uh, Josh, what about you for the Red Legs? I mean, obviously. One of the names that jumps out is a guy that just had the no-hitter uh, with a 2 ERA in Wade Miley. 
you know, he's gone at least five innings in every start. He's been a big surprise. Any other big surprises you've seen for the Red Legs so far? Um, well, obviously, uh, Hollywood Hoffman, you could also add to that group. Uh, you'd like to see that ERA get lowered a little bit. Um, ah, he was killing it early. It's, it's ballooned a little bit to 4.8, but it's still better than what I thought it would be when I was laughing right. at him at the beginning. Of the right, yeah, yeah. You got to, you gotta, you know, take what you get. And... Look, I said, if he gets it under a 3.5 this year, I'm getting a Jeff Hoffman jersey. So. There you go. And he's right there, but uh, other very pleasant surprises. Um, one that I don't think is getting talked about enough is Tucker Barnhart, the veteran catcher for the yeah. Reds. You he's know. actually been hitting not like garbage. Oh yeah, third best hitter on the team right now. Uh, Two ninety six, three sixty seven, five oh seven slash line with uh, six doubles and eleven RBIs. You know, I don't know if it was having the rookie Tyler Stevenson in the works, kind of a little fire under him, but. He's come up in some clutch moments as well, whether in the starting lineup or coming off the bench as a pinch hitter. I mean, he's been a great surprise. And then another one that uh, I know, Zach, you're familiar with is uh, Tyler Nakin. Naquin. You know how to pronounce words, unlike Joey Votto? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Nakin. No, Nakin. Tyler Naquin's been a great surprise. Um, He's right behind Barnhart as the fourth best hitter on the team with the 271 average. He's um, lighting it up the first couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, he's had a couple great homers, um, seven home runs. Oh, I think he's yeah he's second on the team with seven home runs so far, 20 RBIs, tied for the lead there with Nick Castellanos. I mean, especially for a, a late addition to the roster and an already crowded outfield, that's a very pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. with that crowded outfield... You know, you start to think about some interesting trade pieces you could make midseason. Yeah, but before we get to trades, Josh, as as much as some guys have really showed out, some guys have been some disappointments. I know we've talked about Suarez so far, but, I mean, he's obviously got to be near the top of the list of disappointments. Any other real disappointments, guys you're expecting to kind of shoulder the load a little bit more? Um. One that I'm not so much as disappointed in because he started off great, but one that I'm worried about is Jonathan India. Uh, yeah, the other the guy. Yeah, the other piece of that middle of the infield. And we've talked about on the show so many times how the Reds were risking it with the middle of the infield there, moving Suarez over to shortstop and then having the rookie Jonathan India at second base. And, you know, India's hot start that he had is only hitting 211 right now. Um, only 316 slugging. So you'd like to see some improvement there, and you're really kind of seeing him He's plateau. He skipped AAA, though, right? Uh, he did not play a whole lot of AAA. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to look here. No, he, he didn't play any AAA. Yeah, yeah. He so. was the one that skipped... Um, it's hard on hitters. So yeah. he's, It's hard he, for hitters to do that. Yeah, he played... Uh, so in 2019, he got 145 plate appearances in Chattanooga. Mm. obviously last year that's it you don't have anything but yeah, yeah. so he, he was uh you know drafted in 2018 played a in rookie ball 2019 his second year played in uh glendale daytona in high a in chattanooga and then you know was part of that right extra squad up in mason and you know has, has made the team coming up but you know a guy once again only 80 only 90 plate appearances so far for the Reds. Has put up some numbers, but definitely struggling a little bit, you know, leaning to 11. 
And, you know, Nick Senzel has started to play some second base, and I think you really have an interesting opportunity here to where if you start to... Nick Senzel should be playing every day, so I don't want to say necessarily platoon second base, but now that show goes back and Tyler Naquin is performing the way he is, you know, that really opens the door to use Senzel as the, you know, utility guy that he's very capable of being. Yeah, you can, mm-hmm. I mean, you you can play Senzel every day, but it's like a, I mean, one of the only players that I can think of similar to this is, you know, former MVP Chris Bryant, who you know, <laughs> plays third base, some first base. Keyword, the f- former. Uh, all the outfield <laughs> positions, uh, I believe is one of the top hitters in the league so far this year, so you can shut your damn mouth. It's early. But... One of the guys that you know you can put on the right side of the infield, can put him in the outfield positions, have him play every day, but also, you know, some of these guys that aren't quite full right. time guys like a Naquin or Shogo or Jonathan India, you give them some at bats, but then you can also move them around, you know second base, center, right. last, stuff like that, well, to give him playing time every day, which he needs. Yeah, and there's and there's games where it's just like, okay, do you want Senzel and in India in the lineup, or do you want Senzel and Naquin in the lineup, or Senzel and Shogo Akiyama in the lineup? You know, there's other guys you can plug in, and I think what David Bell has done a usually a great job of this year is making sure that your best offensive players are in the in the starting lineup and getting them wherever they need to be defensively to make sure they're at the plate. Yeah, and now you have that extra spot open every day. You know, with Votto being out, you've got Moose moving from third to first. Yeah. You're giving, you know, India or Senzel some time, potentially someone playing third base. So it's just another extra piece that Bell gets to move around and at least figure out his lineup a little bit more because obviously when Votto comes back, he'll be playing first base. Right, and and eventually the time's got to come where you, I think you have to find, you have to find the time to get India down to Louisville and get him some work down there because mm-hmm. just leaving him up here, I feel like that you get into, you're already in dangerous territory of him plateauing at the mediocre subpar guy who's well, never seen triple a ball it's a confidence killer for hitters every level is a big adjustment for the hitters um you can see you can pull pitchers up from double a that you know yeah they have the ability sometimes to work through that i think hitters it's a whole different ball game right well i think the thing is a lot of those guys and you've seen it one of the the most uh you know kind of wild ones for me i remember was yasio puig when he came yeah in. even he was in triple a he was murdering the baseball right away. And then you start to see the guys who realize his weaknesses. And these pitchers can pinpoint pitches. So if they need to throw a curveball that falls off the plate, they can do that, Mm -hmm. especially at the speeds that they can. So it's one of those things that... That's what I'm saying. You you always hear the stories. It's Breaking balls break differently. Even from AAA to the big leagues is a big jump. There's well, you have oh, your four yeah. A guys, right? Your four A guys, yeah, as they call say, them, who kill AAA but can't quite make it up there. From what it seems like, is AA they start to have something. Yep. AAA they have some breaking stuff. You know, maybe some of them have some good stuff. Obviously, people are at different mm-hmm. levels of development. And then you know, in the in the pros, it's like you have to have a good fastball. And a good breaking ball, yeah, or something along those lines. Because some some guys do get away with throwing it a little bit slower, but you know you gotta have two. But they're pinpoint. Good, you gotta have three good. Pitchers. But they're pinpoint yeah. though. Yeah, I mean everybody can put it on a dime. So Josh, going from the Reds to the Indians, uh, 
Zach. Obviously, they do have the two. Uh, you know, two times they've gotten no hit. But are there some guys you're a little disappointed in so far? I know overall you're you're pretty happy with how the the season's been going, but there have been a few guys that have been disappointing. Mm-hmm. I know Logan Definitely. Allen's been been hurt. The guy who had a pretty good spring. Uh, you know, catching. Well, I know they that's... I know they catch well, but the hitting's been pretty atrocious. It's still been atrocious. Yeah. I did sorry, I did want to pinpoint one thing out of respect for Aaron Savala. He actually is the team leading ERA All by point right. oh seven points Ooh. every year. Yeah. So um yeah, disappointments. Uh I can't say Logan was a disappointment. I think he, you know, had a great spring. Um, he's a working pro. A lot of all those guys are working. Yeah, he's pro. twenty. You know, he's twenty three. Yeah, I was gonna um, say uh, Quantrill. Quantrill. Yeah, they have Z and, and Allen. They have a lot of those guys, but um, also Allen. Great story on his background. If you ever get to watch him, him and his brother, unbelievable. Yeah, bring you to tears. Uh, yeah, you know, we we could go catching. Uh, like I said, they, they basically, you know, obviously Bebo's out for about two months. Uh, but I mean. With him and Hedges, I mean, those are that's the best catching tandem in baseball as far as defensively. Um, Hedges made, or yeah, has made a few great defensive plays. Eh, I, I'll take the bad hitting if you're showing up handling that pitching stuff. Like I said, I think Cesar Hernandez signing that two-year, oh, geez, what was it, about $8 million, you know. Not a big sign, but he had a great year last year, led the league in doubles. Um, he was one of the guys that really kept that offense Balanced, close. yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he was very consistent. Like I said, I think he's coming around, but, yeah, he's really struggled. Um, sometimes looks a little lost up there. Um, and, you know, a guy I kind of was hoping for a little bit more, um, and it's not necessarily probably fair, was kind of Ahmad Rosario. Um, you know, two years ago in 2019 with the Mets, he had, he had a great year offense. I think he had like 270, um, you know, showed a little bit of pop, uh, thus far, like I said, not fully fair. He's kind of a man with no position learning center field. I mean, if you, going from shortstop center field is like being on the moon. Um, but you know, I think 189 and you can throw Jimenez in there, right? So both, both shortstops, I mean, they're hitting 189, 183 respectively, um, yeah, Ahmad Rosario is just a, you know, his, mm-hmm. not including 2020 where he hit 250, but he yeah. hit 256 and 287, and that's in basically full seasons, mm-hmm. you know, with a couple, 150, 150 plus games. Game. Yeah. So he's a guy that's been shown, you know, he, his he OBP has the potential there. was 323. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, not a guy that's going to hit a. He's not of far off runs. that. He's at 320. Or no, sorry. That's the slug game. Yeah. I was going to say, they're 263. He's not, he's not a, you know, even in his best year, only a 15 home run guy, but a guy that can drive in, you know, 70, you know, 50 to 70 runs yeah. when he's really playing well, and he just hasn't quite gotten there yet. It's just, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's not, like I said, fair to either of them. They're both, you know, Menez is young. Rosario is still young, man with no position. Um, I th- Honestly, the whole lineup outside of, uh, Ramirez, Reyes, Naylor, and then Eddie Rosario has been up and down um, offensively for them. But So I, I think that's a great jumping off point, you know, as far as potential changes mm-hmm. that um, the Tribe could have, at least, you know, over the next couple months. I think, you know, both of us are in agreement that one of the changes that needs to happen <laughs> eventually is... Bobby Bradley needs to be a Cleveland Indian. I, he does. He had a great spring. He did everything they asked him to. I, you know, follow the beat really closely. And and normally, right, there's fans have an idea. Guys should make the team. 
and the beat writers were kind of like, well, no, this is what we're hearing. And you're like, okay, no, beat writers, no one gets it. No one knows why he didn't make it. Um, thus far with the inter-squad games and then even only 19 at bats so far this spring or post-spring is it really struggled a yeah, little bit. Columbus. But I would say how much of that is just disappointment? You're a guy, he's 25. He, I think, I'm sure he felt like he was going to make the team, put in all the work in the offseason. He's going to get his opportunity. He needs to. They need to bring him up. I assume they'll let him play through May down there. You know, Bowers, he just can't hit. You can't hit. Yu Cheng is a utility guy. He's not your everyday. You need to let you need to let the kid get, you know, three, four hundred bats. Um, that and I think the outfield, I I, I don't, still don't know why Daniel Johnson really hasn't been given much of any of opportunity over the last couple of years. Are you thinking more for the Indians just bringing guys up? You know, they're not really – do you feel like they're in a position mm-hmm. if they play well to maybe make a move? Or do you think they're mostly like, I mean, you've we're going to deal with what we do? I mean, the with. front office even said, look, they'll, they'll, they'll make a move if, they, if they're in position – if they feel, you know, they're in a good position come – when they moved it up, was it now July thirty first? Um, is it you know they'll make a, a move if they feel the need yeah, they to? Yeah, they'll have the waiver deadline, right? Think, so. And I believe that, but I'm still maybe a minor move at best. Yeah, I just I, I'm fine just letting some of these guys play. Rosario, yeah. Eddie Rosario is gonna be gone next year. He's not. They're not gonna resign him. He's not coming back. Um, again, you need to find permanent. You know, like it looks like Naylor might lock down. Um, right field but you know you still don't have a center fielder you're not gonna have a left fielder need to start locking some of these guys down so i'd like to see bobby bradley i think nolan jones is gonna get an opportunity i think daniel johnson bradley zimmer and uh maybe oscar mercado i don't know are some guys that you know you got to bring some of these guys up owen miller is actually a big surprise name Uh, came over in that padres deal kind of the radar guy been murdering the ball see he's a second baseman baseman. but again cesar hernandez yeah say well and the other thing is you know some of these guys especially second baseman you can you can work them around yeah you can move them around so i think we will see a lot of moves um up and down Uh, yeah i don't really expect much from uh, a trade deadline probably no matter what now josh going over to the reds as far as the team that you maybe expected to see some more offseason moves Hope for maybe a shortstop or some bullpen help. Do you see some changes maybe as far as guys down in Louisville or guys potentially, you know, if the Reds can can stay in the race and whatnot, do you see them making any moves or do you see them kind of just riding it out this year? There's one move I'd love to see them make, and we've talked about a crowded outfield that they have, and you've had guys like Tyler Naquin who are performing way better than you would have expected them to. So I say you ride with those guys. There's one particular Reds outfielder that hasn't played a whole lot this year, but made his name known last year as the Punisher. You mean two years ago, yeah. Two years ago, excuse me. Uh, Aristides Aquino. Oh, God, that guy. Yeah, I saw him in his hot streak. We went to one of the games. Yeah, 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 we we went the, yeah. used to literally, like, second deck every time he had a home run. And and he's still, you know, I'd still put him as as a prospect with potential and everything. And, you know, Greg, there are some teams that only have left fielders in their outfield, and their outfield hitters really aren't that great to begin with. The Cleveland Indians. So what I would like to see happen is, uh, you know what the Indians do have? They have pitching. They have great starting pitching, and they have uh, great pitching uh, prospect-wise. So 
I would like to see the Reds get uh, someone like Nick Sandlin, Kyle Nelson in the mix, you know, a right-hander, left-hander, guys that, you know, younger guys mm-hmm. that have some options left, that have potential. You could at least get them in there, see how they do, send them down, get them in the Reds pitching staff that is just doing so great with Derek Johnson and Kyle Bodie. You know, bring those guys in there, get guys with options, get some bullpen depth. You can yeah. never have too much well, pitching, can you, it. gentlemen? Right no. on, right now on the 60-day DL, so uh, we'll be interesting to see if he can make his way back, but could be a potential uh, yeah. solid trade piece. Yeah, I mean, gotta the stuff that you have plenty of, there are other teams that need it, and there are other teams that I, I like what that you need. Like, you so. know, yeah, yeah, you know. So we'll see. Maybe a potential Reds-Indians trade. It's been done before. Yep. In the works, but uh, the one thing that we're sure of is it'll be an interesting next month here for both teams with oh, some yeah. interesting expectations and some definitely winnable games coming up here soon. Yep. Guys, are you ready to learn about what is brewing in Ohio? Woo! Uh, so, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the butcher and the brewer. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Is it Columbus? Cleveland? Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland? Yep. Uh, Packed in there on East 4th Street, downtown Cleveland. So this is one of those places that's very hole in the wall. You walk Come in, down to there's the bar. Street. It is what it is. There's nothing else. <laughs> in places like that, it's been hard for them with the pandemic and everything because mm-hmm. that that's all the space you have. You yeah. cannot expand like past that. So they have been closed um, for a large portion of the past year and a half. They've opened periodically with a lot of restrictions, and they have been closed since December. Um, but they're very, you know, being in downtown Cleveland, hole in the wall, very popular spot for people, you know, especially after work and such. Uh, the Butcher and the Brewer, if you're up there and are a listener of our show and a downtown Clevelander, they're opening back up. Uh, it is a limited basis. Um kind of like they've been doing on and off the past couple months, but they're hoping to sustain this one and uh, slowly open back to normal as people yeah. continue to get vaccinated. Uh, elsewhere, more closer to home, I wanted to bring this one up because uh, it's right on down the road and from Greg and I's hometown in Mason, Ohio. 16 Lots Brewery. Oh, right on 42. Getting sour, guys. They're moving into the sour game, and their first one is out now. It is Raspberry Vibrancy, and this is uh, part of a new sour series that they are calling the Vibrancy Sour Series. This raspberry one is real full on the raspberries, and this will be the first release making its distribution footprint throughout the greater Cincinnati area this week. And Raspberry is just the first step. Uh, future Vibrancy series will include uh, copious amounts of other fruit flavors. So be on the lookout as 16 Lots begins their sour journey. Uh, great location for a brewery. Also has a great uh, pizza place in the brewery. Oh, yeah. Really good pizza. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a nice little night out uh, down there in Mason. Yeah, definitely Lots. a good spot to chill in Mason if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. And then more importantly, guys, the big thing happening this week, as we mentioned, it is Great American uh, Craft Brewing Week. The Great American Craft Beer Week. And uh, in Ohio, 
we will be seeing a statewide beer again. We've brought up these statewide beers before, the uh, Black is Beautiful beer. Um, I had a few different ones. Yeah, really we've a few few of those, you know, ben, benefit beers. And guys, this one benefits where we get our news from in an organization that, you know, is the glue to the over 300 breweries in Ohio, the Ohio Craft Brewers Association. Uh, that is what the profit from these beers will be benefiting. And this was named by Krista Alvarado of 4KD Crick Brewery and developed by OCBA board members John Haggerty of Warped Wing and Mark Hunger of Great Lakes Brewing Company. I'm sorry, what was that? 4KD Crick Crick Brewery. Yeah, we'll look into that later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And this beer is called From the Heart. And it features ingredients donated by Crosby Hops, Origin Malt, Great Western Malting, and White Labs. All some great regional collaboration in here. And this is an IPA pale ale recipe. Mm. There are going to be a few variations on it as it will vary, you know, a little bit brewery to brewery. And then there's also going to be some experimental versions of it as well. Other cool thing. More collaboration going on. Blue Label Packaging and Lemon Grenade Creative are doing a variety of cans. The picture that they have here on ohiocraftbeer.org is one of the best cans I've ever seen. It is uh, from the heart, so it's kind of got the inside of the Ohio flag as a heart with the stars and the red buckeye around it. It's very cool, but... These are going to be out now as uh, they're starting to be, uh, you can get them on tap in breweries during America Craft Beer Week that runs through this week, ending on May 16th. And then those are going to be out there for uh, you know the rest of May as they uh, are available. So definitely be looking for this one. It benefits you know the Ohio Craft Brewers Association. There are so many, over 70 Ohio breweries are releasing this in some capacity and wow. I mean, when you look Seven. at when you look at the collaboration here, the brewing process alone involves so many different breweries, ingredients from so many regional companies. Even the packaging itself includes mm-hmm. some great regional collaboration here. So definitely look into this and be looking for it. And as we bring up the Ohio Craft Brewers Association, we thank them for their great work. And you can find them at Ohio Craft Beer on social media. Read more about them at OhioCraftBeer.org. Guys, that's what's brewing in Ohio. Drink local. All right, as we wrap up this show, we want to give our cheers, of course, as we do at the end of every show. Uh, we want to give our first cheers to Wiedemann's Fine Brewing Company. Uh, glad they're back in Ohio on the correct side of the river in St. Bernard and their uh, wonderful summertime lime Mexican lager. Of course, our second shout out always. To the loyal listeners of 30 Rack of Sports, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Zach, hmm. who are you cheersing this week? Um, going outside the uh, great state of Ohio, I'm going to cheers uh, DK Metcalf, uh, wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. If you didn't see it, um, sorry, Josh, we have to clean that up in post-production. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. He, uh, he actually was kind of, I think, sarcastically invited uh, to the U.S. Well, one of the U.S. qualifiers for the uh, 100 meter uh, track and field team, and he actually accepted and ran uh, yeah, this past weekend. Ran a 10.39, finished 15th out of 17th. But at six foot four, 229 pounds, I thought extremely impressive. 
And then, I mean, also, I think it's always cool when these guys, like I said, don't, you know, don't take himself too seriously. Like, he could have been embarrassed, but he just was like, it's fun. Let's do it. Let's see how it goes. Um, and, I mean, he re- was, like like you said, out of guys that train for it full time. Oh, yeah. And you got to realize the body type that you have for the 100 meter is very different than the body type you oh, have for yeah. football. So, being the fact that he wasn't, you know, dead last by a second, like a lot of guys He's a big been. dude. If you've seen him, he is a big dude. Yeah, what, 6'4", 250 or something like 6'4", that? 6'4", like, two, like less than 230, probably more like 240. Yeah. yeah. Big dude. So, I don't know. That was cool. It's very cool from DK Metcalf. Uh, I'm actually going to the West Coast as well. Ooh. But a former Ooh. Cavaliers assistant, uh, I want to give my cheers to, I guess, now former Cavaliers assistant, Lindsey Gottlieb for accepting the job as the women's basketball coach for uh, USC. Yeah, cool. Uh, she was originally at Cal before uh, joining John Beeline's staff, was kept around on the J.B. Bickerstaff you know, regime. Bickerstaff uh, staff? Bickerstaff staff, yeah. <laughs> uh, someone that you, know, you could regularly see on social media doing a whole lot for, you know, developing you know women professionals in the nba uh women's basketball camps Mm -hmm. in uh you know girls basketball camps in the city of cleveland so certainly even in her short time here left a big mark on you know just trying to get women more involved in the game which i think is very important uh was kind of in a tough situation Uh, you know we don't have to rehash the the dumpster fire that was the john beeline administration but she was around for two years and then you know could maybe see some writing on the wall that there might be a new regime uh decided to take a job you know at usc which is a, v- a very solid yeah. you know storied uh program. la baby i mean cheryl miller played there yeah. so you know a lot of great a lot of great history and just someone that you know was the first women's assistant for the Cavs as more women are getting involved in the nba so just something great to see and something that you know makes you proud as a Cavs fan to see you know just Getting involved and not just sitting in this old curmudgeonly, you know, men's sport and whatnot. Right. Getting more involved and, you know, she, as far as I could tell, you know, had rave reviews from all the players that she had. So, so shout out to Lindsay Gottlieb. Josh, what about you? Who are you shouting out? I was shouting out, um, as I just mentioned in uh, What's Brewing Ohio, it is uh, American Craft Beer Week. And we get so much of our news and up-to-date stuff from Ohio, the Ohio Craft Beer Association. Um, Mary McDonald, the executive director um, there, uh, does a great job. Um, and all the people that are behind that organization that keep, you know, the Ohio brewery scene together as a community. Um, you know, we're talking... I think in 2018, it was $3.4 billion impact to the state. And without these people, you know, kind of, you know, keeping it together as a community, you know, you don't see 50 some breweries open last year during Mm -hmm. a pandemic without some of these people. Um, And you don't get the updates that like help you stay plugged into it without these people. So all the people that are at Ohio Craft Beer Association, um, that run ohiocraftbeer.org and are doing all these stuff behind the scenes. Shout out to them because uh, this week should be about them and helping them out because they do a lot for the Ohio beer, beer scene. And even for us, I mean, we, we don't get to enjoy all these great beers, you know, if, if there's not an association to keep these beers, you know, these breweries running, you know. Exactly. We, get to, we get to drink 
wonderful beers from all around Ohio every week, which mm-hmm. we appreciate. And, you know, they help new breweries open that we can try in the future. They help breweries expand and, you know, figure out some, some more things. You know, our, our beer next week is from a brewery that, you know, has expanded their tap room. So it's always great to see these breweries expand and, you know, try new things. Like you mentioned with 16 lots going into the sour game and just seeing the Ohio beer scene Absolutely. expand. Because the collaborations, just, all that. Yeah, it's, it's such yeah, those a great are the best. scene. And it's something that, you know, I'm always, I, I could say for all of us, we're always so interested coming in every week, like, What's someone gonna do? What's this? Yeah, yeah. What are, right. we, what are we gonna yeah. be drinking? Oh yeah, that, so got, that's our show. Yeah, I that's think. our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Thirty Rack of Sports. Uh, once again, thank you so much to the Ohio Craft Brewers Association and Wiedemann's Fine Brewing for their summertime lime. Uh, for Zach on the Sup. opinions. Hey Zach. See ya. Or Josh <laughs> on the ones, twos, and having to edit out all the dumb shit that Zach does. He'll drink a beer right as I say his name. Awesome. Woo! My name's Greg. Thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack Sports.